turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter. Had lots of clapping today. It feels kind of like a, you know, the price is right or something, but a lot of good things going on. Thank God for His work. Prepare for action. That's the name of today's today's message. And what what a an appropriate title as we acknowledge these graduates who are going in. Uh, they're entering a time of transition in their life. And when graduates move on from high school or college, whether they move on to college or on to the marketplace, that's a huge transition for them. But they're not the only ones. You know, for parents, it's a huge transition. Uh, whether you're one kid less or you're entering into an empty nest. I think, too, for our educators, for teachers and principals that... Uh, they maintain their their positions, and kids kind of pass through, and and each each class that that leaves is a transition. The, the personality of the school changes a bit. Um, transitions happening all the time. The truth is, though, transition is happening right now for all of us, not just for those who are associated with these graduates, but we are we all of us are moving into new phases of life, we're moving into new eras of life, we can even look at the season change, the way God has designed our calendar to work, or, or, or the seasons is, is more appropriately how he's designed the seasons, that we they mark our lives, we move from winter to spring, and spring to summer, and summer to fall, now on this Memorial Day weekend, we're entering in to the summer months. It's a transition time for all of us. Our years are being marked by another Memorial Day, and they'll be marked by the 4th of July, and so on and so on. And it won't be long before we'll be closing 2008, moving into 2009. We're always in, we're always in a transition phase. It's important to point that out this morning because I've noticed, and I'm sure you have too if you give this much thought, that it's during the transitions of life is when we're the most vulnerable. If we're the most vulnerable to make bad decisions, and we're also, we have the most chance for new opportunity. And I think that when we look at the Scripture today, that the Scripture is going to be very pointed, and it's going to try to wake us up and try to open our eyes to the fact that during the transitions of life and during any phase of life, we have to be ready for action and prepared for what God has us. Let's look at First Peter 1 as we're kind of journeying through that book this summer, and we're going to look at, starting in verse 13, it says this, therefore, prepare your minds for action, be self-controlled, set your hope on the grace to be given to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Therefore, look at 13, prepare your minds for action. What an appropriate scripture for our graduates today, what appropriate scripture for those who are going to be facing one less child or an empty nest, what an appropriate scripture for all of us as we come into the summer months, prepare your mind for action. The, today's NIV translates, translates this word a little better, in my opinion, and it says it this way, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober. That's another phrase that's really appropriate for college students. Fully sober. Stay 
fully sober. Thus saith the Lord. And set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ has revealed that it's coming. That word, stay alert. That's a military word that was calling for soldiers to be on the lookout. Be ready for an attack. Be ready for something to happen at any time. Be alert. Be ready. And I want to journey in a couple more passages in 1 Peter because this is repeated three times. Or repeated twice after the first time. Go with me. Turn in your Bibles to chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 7. It says almost the exact same phrase. And it says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Again, today's NIV, the TNIV, says, translate this with that same phrase, be alert and of sober mind. Be alert. The end of all things are near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. You know, a prayerless life is really the sign of a life that doesn't realize the situation. If we would really recognize how vulnerable our lives are, if we would recognize how readily we could fall, Jesus said, watch and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. When we're alert, and we're like that military military person that we're aware of the enemy and we're aware of what's going on, we're going to be people who pray. So here's the third thing. Now go to chapter 5. This is a scripture that I hope is familiar to you, and if it's not, I hope it will be uh, today, after today. Verse 8 says it again. Be self-controlled and alert. So here's a third time. It started out in, in chapter 1, verse 13. It says, be alert. It said it again in chapter 4. And now for the third time in 1 Peter 5, verses 8, it says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. TNIV says the same exact phrase the third time. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring, lying, seeking for some, looking for someone to devour. He's basically saying, wake up, look around, don't be blinded. This is serious, people. We're facing a serious situation. He said it twice. Be alert, be self-controlled. Be alert, be self-controlled so you can pray. And then the third time he said, be alert and be of sober mind because the devil... The enemy, he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That the enemy and the principalities that work underneath him are looking to destroy your life. When it talks about devour, it's talking about taking just a, like, like one big gulp. The enemy's not just looking just to take a bite out of you. He's looking to take a big gulp of you and just to consume you and to take your life. So I want to talk to you a little bit about what this means, and I want to call you to action. And here's the first thing I want you to write down is this, is that we are alert because we have an enemy. And I want you to remember that this morning. I want you, and it's so important too, that our, our graduates remember that. 
and all of us remember that, that we do have an enemy. You know, we are here to lift up the name of God. We're here to lift up the name of Jesus. We're here to exalt His name. But sometimes we forget that there is an enemy and there is a devil and there are forces of hell that desire to keep you from serving God. And you might have heard that over and over and over again, but many times we begin to live our lives as if that's not a reality. As if that there's not forces of evil working against us or working for us. And so when the call to wake up, to be alert, to look around, is the call because there is an enemy. Now, going back to verse 13, look, look at that again. 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 13 says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Now, when I first read this, or, or when I was studying out of the New King James, it said it very differently, and I had no idea what it meant. In the New King James Version, or the King James Version, let's look at that together, it says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Now, is that not an odd phrase there? Anytime the word loins are in there, it's just a strange word, so... The newer translations did it more accurate. Gird up the loins of your mind. For the reader, this was very understandable to them because, of course, they dressed very differently than us and, and they wore flowing robes. And uh, What he was basically saying was, take up the bottom of your robe, tuck it in your belt so that you can take off running. Do that with your mind. Take up the bottom of your robe, tuck it in your belt. It would be like us saying this. Hey guys, roll up your sleeves. Get ready for action. Get alert. Be ready. Now, if we look at the story of Elijah, and turn, you can look with me on the screen to uh, 1 Kings 18 and 46. We see how this happened practically. 1 Kings 8, that said, The power of the Lord came upon Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. And, and so the readers of this would, would have been familiar with that story. And, and what a picture of, of Elijah when he ran when he ran under the power of God. He took up his, his cloak and he stuffed it in his belt. And this was very similar to what the people would go through every year during the Passover. Look at Exodus chapter 12, verse 11. In Exodus 12, 11 said, This is how you are, you are to eat it, talking about the Passover. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. So there's a ready position. There's a readiness that comes when evidently you took your cloak and tucked it in your belt. It's, it, it was signifying that you're ready for action. You're ready to step out. You're ready to move. You are alert. You're ready to go. Now go back to verse 13 because it says this, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Or the New King James Version says, Therefore, gird, our, gird up the loins of your mind. In other words, he's saying, discipline yourself. Get yourself ready. Be alert. Don't just stand there aimlessly and be aimlessly because we have an enemy. We have an enemy who wants our life. Now, we love to talk about the fact that God has a plan. And He does. Jeremiah 29.11, it's not on the screen, but it, the Lord says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. God has a distinct plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. He has laid out your days. If you follow Him, there is a plan for your life. But we don't talk about the fact 
that the enemy has a plan for us. The devil has a plan for us, and that plan is very clear. And if you're not alert, if you're not open, if you're not ready, if you're not thinking about that, if your mind's not prepared, then he will come and attack you, and you have no defensive defenses ready for that at all. And he has a plan. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the, the enemy, and this is not going to be comprehensive, but I, I just want to touch a, a little bit upon the devil and who he is. The devil, and I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 14, the, the, the Satan was at one time in heaven, and he was one of the angels. And from looking at the scripture, that, that there's not a clear-cut story that, yeah, uh, that Satan was in heaven and he had arguments with God and he left. It's not clear-cut like that. But when we begin to take the, the counsel of the scripture, it's very clear what, what happened here. And Isaiah 14, 12 through 15, is one of the clearest prophecies, or revelations of what happened in heaven. Speaking of Satan, in verse 12, it says, How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven, and I will raise my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit in throne on the mount of assembly. On the utmost heights of the sacred mountains, I will ascend above the top of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. Let's pause there. That is what Satan, the pride that was in him, he was an angel of God. He was the angel over worship. And the pride that was in him caused him to think, I'm going to be higher than God himself. Verse 15 says, But you are brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. So, we know out of, from the book of Revelation that Satan took a third of the angels with him and those are now demonic powers that work underneath him. That's why in Ephesians chapter 6, when, when it talks about us putting on the full armor of God, it says this in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. Now here's the part when I talk about the enemy has a plan against the devil's schemes. Against the devil, the enemy has a plan and has a scheme for you, and that's why you need the full armor of God. Now, verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of the, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So we see here the insight, the revelation that when we struggle and when we fight against sin, that one of the things we're fighting against is a force of evil led by Satan himself. And it goes on to start listing what these are. Principalities. Well, let's think about what a prince is for a second. A prince is someone who has authority over a certain region, but not the ultimate authority. You know, the king has the ultimate authority, correct? The prince has a limited authority, even though that authority is supreme over the domain that he's in charge of. And we find in John chapter 12 that Jesus is talking about Satan. In John chapter 12, verse 31, it says, Now is the time for the judgment on this world, now that the prince of this world will be driven out. That's John chapter 12, verse 31. So Satan, and, and there's, there's several scriptures with language of this, is a prince... He's a principality over this world. He has limited authority. God is the ultimate authority. He's the king of kings. But Satan is a prince that's over this world. 
And He has authority. And if you don't believe that, then just spend a little time looking around. Go spend time in one of our major cities, Nashville being one of them, and see the darkness, see the rule of darkness, see how evil has, got, evil has entrenched itself in our thought process, in our behavior, in everything we are, that evil does have reign in this day. This world is pretty much dark. And that's why we're called to be the light. Amen? That's why we're called to be something different. That's why we're called to be something different and unique. But when we have to be alert, and the reason why we can't just be mindless, and we can't just, oh, I'm just going to live life. I love God. He loves me. I'm just going to just go through life without any concern is because we have an enemy who has principalities. He's the prince, and he has principalities underneath him that have certain authority that if we're not alert and we're not ready for it, we are susceptible to its attack and and what he wants to do. So uh, rulers. Rulers are lesser authorities. Spiritual wickedness in high places, those are demonic spirits. Demonic spirits that rule and reign the earth. So what am I trying to say is this. Is there is a real Satan. There is a real devil. There is a real enemy. But we live our lives, even though we have intellectual knowledge of this, we live our lives as if they don't exist. You know that so many people want to think that the enemy or the devil or demonic spirits are just some kind of personification of, of darkness or evil. But it's not, not true. The, the fact is, if you believe the Bible, then you have to believe that demonic spirits and that Satan himself and rulers and principalities are real and they have schemes to come and to keep you from loving God. Now, if you don't realize that, do you realize that, that Satan could come and he could attack you at any time? You're not alert. You're not ready for it. You're just living your life carelessly. And that's a dangerous place to be, especially when you're at times of transition. Because that's when the enemy will begin to come. He'll begin to come when you're vulnerable, when you're weak. He'll begin to come when you don't feel established. The enemy will come when, and when you don't have kind of lost your way and you've lost what's familiar and you've lost what you're leaning on and you're not leaning on the Lord, that's when the enemy will come into your life. And this is why the second thing I want you to write down is why we have to be alert and think clearly. We think clearly because our enemy has a strategy. I've already touched on this. Our enemy has a strategy. Now, in chapter 5, verse 18, we can read that again of 1 Peter. The reason, you know, he said three times to be alert. The third time, he tells you why. Above all, he says, be alert, because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. John 10.10 tells us a thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what the thief comes, that's what the enemy wants to do in your life. He wants to come to steal and to kill you and to destroy you. The enemy's not playing games. Why are we playing games? He's not playing games with your soul. He's not playing games with your destiny. And the scripture says here, he's like a lion. Now, the lion the most majestic creature we know, the king of the jungle and all this. Do you know that 85% of what a lion kills is for the weak and vulnerable and the sick? In fact, what the lions do is that they, they hunt their prey, and often they do, they do so in groups, but they hunt their prey, and they look. They look for one of the prey that leaves 
the rest of the group. They look for one who kind of wanders away. They look for one who um, just drifts off. And as soon as, whether it be a zebra or gazelle or whatever, whatever the animal is, it, it, as soon as that animal drifts away from the rest of the herd, the lion will take that animal, take him into the bush, and before the rest of the group even realizes it, the rest of the herd, that animal has been destroyed. So it is with us. Now listen, if you want to talk about the enemy having a strategy for our lives, if you want to talk about that, it says he's like a roaring lion. You know that he is looking for you in your weakness, and he's looking for you in your, your, your uh, uh, time of, of struggle. And more than that, he's looking for you when you wander away from the rest of the group. That's why I'm very concerned about people who don't faithfully attend church. Can I tell you that when you don't faithfully attend church, and I realize that church has its problems, and I realize that organized religion has its issues, I can talk that subject just as good as you can, but it's what God has chosen. He said, this is my church. This is how I'm going to represent myself to the world. I'm going to take these group of people, and together they're going to represent me to the world. And when you decide to wander away from that group, and when you decide not to stay involved and to not stay involved in church, then you are playing right into the enemy's hands. Because that's one of his schemes for you. His scheme is to see you get off by yourself, to get isolated, so you'll get weak and you'll be vulnerable. And before you know it, you know that once you hear the roar of the lion, you're already defeated. That He's already pounced upon you and he's taken you away. And that's not the will of God. That's why Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it encourages us to do this. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I believe that the enemy, his strategy for us is to get us disconnected from the body of Christ, to get us uninvolved, to get us unengaged, to have us be here, but to not be here. You know what that's like? When you're physically here, but your heart's not here, and your mind's not here, and your spirit's not here, to, to have you shrink back and say, well, I need my time off, I need to be lay off. Can I tell you that's part of the enemy's strategy is to get you uninvolved because if he can get you uninvolved, he can then isolate you, and before you know it, he's destroyed your life. And that's why I want to say to those of you that are entering into college, this will be the greatest challenge of your faith because mom and dad don't have to get you up and make you go. They might try to make you go if you're still living with them. And I better watch out what I say here. But somewhere within the next few years, you'll have the choice whether you want to go to church and whether you're going to get involved and whether you're going to get out of bed and whether you're going to go on Wednesday night and whether you're going to be involved. And you know what? That Most of the people at your college or most of the people your age won't. But why be like most of the other people? You know, why not take the road less traveled? Why not be different? Why not be exceptional? And, and it's as easy as having a commitment and making a decision beforehand that says, I don't care what the circumstance, I don't care what the job hours, I don't care what the situation is, I'm going to figure out a way to get involved in church. Because I'm a Christian and I believe in going to church. And I believe that if you as a graduate, can make up your mind today. If you could say, you know what? I'm going to establish today that I'm a church attender. I'm a church participant. I believe in the church. I'm going to church. I don't know if I'm going to another city. I don't know what church it'll be. And I don't know who I'll meet. And I, don't, I might be going through some services where I don't know people for a few weeks. But I'm making up my mind today that I am going to be a participant in church. Can I tell you that if you do that, 
then you've already exposed one of Satan's major schemes for your life. His major plan, because he is doing it to collegiate students. Satan is deceiving a whole generation of people that thinks church attendance is not important. And it's, now it's getting on up into people in their 30s now. It's a deception of the enemy, and it's a strategy of the enemy that makes us think that church attendance doesn't matter. It does matter. It does matter because when we come together, there's power. When we come together, there's an anointing when we come together. And when we come together, we are less vulnerable to the enemy's schemes and the enemy's attacks and what the enemy wants to accomplish in our life. So we know his plan, and his plan will not come to pass for our lives. Here's the third thing I want you to write down. We resist the enemy. We resist the enemy, one, because we know... There is an enemy. We're alert because we know there is an enemy. Enemy. We res- we're alert because we know he has a plan. And the third is this. We resist the enemy because God has chosen us for a great work. God has chosen us for a great work. That's the overriding theme of the book of 1 Peter that we're learning together. That we are chosen. That he, is, he has looked down upon us and said, That one's mine. That one's mine. He's called. She's called. I've got a plan for him. I've got a plan for her. I want to unfold what my plan for their life. We have been chosen by God. And Satan hates that. He hates that revelation. He hates that truth. He hates the fact that there's people, uh, men and women, who are rising up to be God's people, and he'll do anything he can to keep us from that and to attack, to attack us and keep us from that. We know his strategy. We know his plan. And this is what we have to do. 1 Peter 5, verse 9. says, this, says Verse 8 says the enemy is like a roaring lion, a roaring lion. And verse 9 says this. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. This enemy who hates us, this enemy who's attacking us, this enemy who has a plan for us, what does the Bible say that we should do? Resist him. Say no. Put your foot down. Say, I'm not going to go his way. Resist him. Satan, he is the author of all lies. He's a liar and he's a deceiver. So can I tell you, this is how you resist him. You resist him through obedience. That's how you resist the liar and the deceiver, is through obedience. Now, I know a lot of times, you know, we use language that's helpful and good, where we resist the devil, and we bind the devil, and those things are good. We know this, the devil's not even omnipresent, so he can't be everywhere like God, so, so you know, we're resisting demonic forces and things like that in nature, but the devil ain't attacking all of us at the same time. He's using his principalities and his powers and his demonic spirit, that he can't be everywhere at once like God can. So we'll say things, we resist you, devil. And that's a good thing to say. Can I tell you that the best thing to do to resist the devil is this? Just obey God. Just say, I'm obeying God. I'm resisting his plan. I am not going to let that happen. In fact, that word resist him means to make your face like flint. To make your face like stone. It was used once before in Isaiah chapter 50. And I love what Isaiah chapter 50, verse 7 says. It says, Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know 
I will not be put to shame. I have set my face to flint. I have made a decision. My face is like stone. I'm not going to be moved. I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to resist Satan with obedience in my life. That's why when he talks about the former of God in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, after doing everything to stand, stand. Stand. Get some backbone. Be ready. Be alert. Make your face like flint and say, I'm not going to ch- I'm going to obey God. I'm going to res-. And that's the loudest spiritual warfare you'll ever have is obedience. Walking in His way. Not following the plan of the enemy, but letting the plan of the Lord unfold for your life. Satan is a liar. Satan is a deceiver. Satan wants to come and he has a plan for your life. But when you begin to walk in God's way, and when you begin to be aware of those schemes and those plans and walk in His way, then the blessing of the Lord will come upon you. And can I tell you, there will be an anointing on your life that the enemy can't touch, that he cannot touch. When you stay right where God wants you to be, you won't be vulnerable and you won't be attacked. Uh, You won't be conquered. You'll still be attacked, but you won't be as vulnerable when you stay right where God wants you to be. I want want Penny to come up at this time. This is what one of the things I believe the Lord wants to do this morning is that I believe that many of you have been very aimless, that you've lived your life just just almost almost like the enemy's not real, almost like Satan's not real and the devil's not real. And I believe that there's going to be a holy awareness that God's bringing forth today, that God is is almost like like a opening your eyes to situations. He's opening your eyes to relationships. He's making you aware of some things. There's some things that have come into your life. There's some situations that have come into your life that, that you have enjoyed, that you have embraced, that you have justified. You know that you can always justify sin. You can always come up with an excuse. You can always uh, come up with a reason. But that doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's right. Just because you can come up with an excuse doesn't mean it's the will of God for your life and for what He wants to do in you. Can I tell you that the enemy has a scheme and he has a plan, but the truth of God's Word wants to expose that. And I just believe that right now, all over this room, that God is beginning to open minds and open hearts, and He's beginning to cause recognition to happen on many of you. And I want to ask that today that we ask that we ask God, ask Him, Lord, how is the enemy attacking me? How is the enemy bringing the scheme about? And that the Lord's going to begin to show you things to repent of. He's going to begin to show you things to change. I believe the Lord's going to begin to show you relationships that aren't healthy for you. He's going to begin to reveal to you ways the enemy is trying to conquer you. Ways the enemy is trying to deceive you. Can I tell you that it's the truth that will set us free. And when God begins to reveal things to us and He begins to show things to us and when we begin to be aware of the enemy, we're in battle position. We're ready. We're aware. Why live life with this kind of ignorance to darkness? And it's like the the enemy, it's like we're puppets to him. He's just controlling what we do. He's controlling what we say. He's controlling everything about us because we refuse to, to see the truth that he's behind the work. Can I tell you that the one who is within us is greater than the one in the world. That's what the scripture says, that we have a power. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. I mean, think about that. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. That God has made us victors in Christ. He has placed victory in our hearts. That, you know, we don't have to live in perpetual sin. 
We don't have to. We don't have to just just lay down and, and, and continue to have bad habits in our life. We don't have to because there's a power within us and through us. And the enemy wants to deceive you and make you think that the way you are today is the way you'll always be. Can I tell you, that's a lie from hell. 